Welcome to Leitrim Daily. It's Wednesday, which means we are in focus today. And there really was only one option we could go for today. It's the 24th of July, 2019. And 25 years ago today, in Dr Hyde Park in Roscommon, Declan Darcy lifted the Nestor Cup as Leitrim won the Senior Connacht Championship for the first time in 67 years. To celebrate that amazing day in the history of Leitrim sport, I'm joined by two members of that team, Cora Kenny and Aidan Rooney. And I caught up with both men earlier this week. I've merged both interviews into one narrative today. As they talked through Leitrim football at the start of the 1990s, the impact made by various managers, including PJ Carroll and John O'Mahony, that fateful day in Hyde Park in 1994, and how Leitrim has come on since then on the football fields. Before we talk to the two lads, let's remind ourselves a little about the atmosphere that day. Garda inspector Mick Curley from Galway who starts his second successive Connacht final and already as you'll gather some switches in positions Mickey Quinn for instance has gone to midfield as we watch Pat Fallon advance looking for the first score of the match tapped in oh it's a goal a disastrous mistake as Aidan Rooney shapes up to get his fourth point of the day kickable position for a right-footed kicker should be and indeed it is it's looking like a glory glory day for lovely Leitrim taken under pressure here by George Dugdale fouled very quickly taken good thinking there by George Dugdale to Pori Kenny that's a point Kenny's second point kick players are already congratulating one another Rooney kicks that's gone wide and it's all over and Leitrim are the Connacht champions and John O'Mahony has done it he did it with his native Mayo and now he's done it with Leitrim just the second time the county has ever won a provincial title 67 years ago they lost in it my goodness what scenes of Porrick it's hard to believe it's 25 years ago I know, time flies. <laughs> One minute, sure. Playing with Leitrim, my next minute is 25 years gone. It must be a bit weird looking back. It is, yeah. Well, I suppose the last couple, the last month has been a bit hectic with the Connacht final, um, you know, meeting the lads again. You know, I remember saying that th- that night we met um, in Clare on the Saturday night and it was like we never had been apart, you know what I mean? It was it was like, you know, it's like we had a transition again. You know, nothing had changed from our point of view. Even they're coming back from Dublin today with my kids in the car. You know, talking about even 50 years of age, and you kind of, you know, you don't feel 50 years of age. You know, what I mean, you don't feel, you know, you're still involved in football teams. So you don't. The time to me fl- has flown by. So I don't really, you know, my kids are growing up, and you know, your kind of, you know, life has moved on very quickly. But to me, it's the same as it was. You know what I mean? Thank, thank God I have my health. You know, and your health, I suppose, is everything to you. What do you remember about the build up to that year? What was different about 1994 from the start of the season that maybe might have built into the success that was coming? It's hard to know because we had a very difficult draw um, in 1994. That was the first year they brought in an open draw. Before that, it was seeded. And I remember they did it live on telly, and I was watching it in Dublin, and John O'Mahony was up at the draw, and then the draw came out like it was panning out quarterfinal Roscommon, semi Galway, and final possibly Mayo. And like this is with an open draw, and O'Mahony kind of says, like, so much for the open draw, you know? So it looked very difficult, like, from. 
you know, early on in the year, like, let's be fair. It wasn't your first rodeo with Leitrim. You'd been in the panel for a little while before that. Tell us about how you got involved with the county team. It started, I was playing in a minor league game at the end of, must have been 87 or something like that. And there was a Leitrim game on after it. And the minor, the county manager was there and he saw me and he brought me to the panel for after the Christmas. So I came in in 88, but, you know, it wasn't really an auspicious start. We played Mayo in 88 and they gave us a bit of a hiding over in Charlestown. Yeah. In terms of the late 80s and probably the first year or two of the 90s, that would have been par for the course. It was getting a fair hiding from whoever you played. Yeah, I think in 87 they did all right against Galway. I mean, if you go back to 83, they ran Galway close the year that uh, Galway got to the final. But like 88 went badly for us. 89, Sligo bet us. But by 90, things began to pick up. PJ Carroll had taken over uh, the management and, you know, things took a turn for the better. Well, Declan McCabe really was the first man that started off the project, really, I suppose, in the Leitrim family, from our young us, us as young fellas. We all came out of minor in 87, 88, and I suppose at the time, now they talk about you know, developing squads and bringing lads through into senior football. For us, really, there was none of that. It was under 21, was next. Um, but there's two crops of us together, really, that came through minor. Like myself and Parrigan, Noel Moore, and all those guys, Joe Honeyman, were the same age. Then they came Declan's group the year after, who were, who were the Connacht champions in, in 1991. Declan McCabe, for me personally, Declan McCabe started the road. Uh, Tony McGowan, these people have done fantastic work over the years as regards keeping keeping the ship going, you know, keeping things going when things were really poor. And then Declan brought a bit of professionalism to it. We started to go to Dublin to train with Brian Mullins and Mickey Quillen on Saturday mornings, and that was a, a brand new innovation at the time, you know, where we were getting exposed to these people of elite level, you know, and that was kind of the brainchild behind, you know, what happened. And that, that for me, was my first introduction, travelling up the, up the road of Parry from Manor Hamilton up to train in Dublin on a, an island bridge on, on, on a Saturday morning. It was, it was unique, but this, it was probably the start of what, you know, the professional mindset that we, that we developed over the next number of years, you know, to get us to the level that we, that we got to. What impact did PJ have on the whole setup? It's, it's hard to understand like how it happened. Like, I mean, I'm going back to the past. Like, I'm an old man, but it started off in a national league, right? And our first game was against Leash. I always remember this. This is when the league there was something like four games before Christmas or three games after Christmas or vice versa. And in the first game of the league, we played Leash, and they gave us a hammer in Carrick. And then the second game of the league, we played. Galway over in Pierce Stadium and they put six goals by us and then PJ came in the county board had selectors there but didn't have a manager and um, it was Tony McGowan and Pat Clark at the time and they wanted a manager so they asked PJ and he came in and he said if you win your next game which was against Westmead I'll take over you and Westmead were going fairly well and we actually bet them and PJ took us over and then we went on this unbeaten run uh, that took us out of Division 3 North and to the top of Division 2, you know, a year or two later. Like, he, I don't know what happened. Like, he, he definitely trained us hard, but once we started winning games, we started getting confidence, and we got on a roll. Like, yeah. We all didn't see eye-to-eye with PJ Carroll. PJ had his way. You know, PJ had his, had his team, and like, like some managers do. And, and, you know, I wasn't on that team for the early part of it, which, which was no problem. But, you know, PJ... Was it really a problem, though? Ah, well, it wasn't really. It was more a problem for, for France. He got arrested maybe than it was for me, but... <laughs> Like PJ, in all fairness, got the job done. You know, PJ got the team into a level of fitness, you know, that we probably had never been at before. You know, um, he didn't take no for an answer. You know, um, I, I'd have to respect all he did for us. You know, he, he, he set out the fitness levels and he set out the mindset of this never said die attitude and he got that going. And to be fair, he progressed the team to two divisions. Like, you know what I mean? So cool. from Division 4 to Division 2 in, in any era is difficult you know the modern era is difficult even then it was much more difficult in, in some ways for teams because the gap was massive at the time between one and four whereas nowadays teams are all fit you know to a level but 
Um, Peter Carrick came in and got a job done. And you kind of got the sense when Jono arrived, you know, that there was a move forward because Jono had been there, done that. He was there at Mayo. You know, he wasn't that well-known to us, only the fact that he managed the Mayo team in 1990 that we beat in the Connacht semi-final over in Charleston. So that probably saw, Jono saw that as an opportunity to get a, a look at us, you know, in the, in the white heat of battle. And then we came out and beat Mayo that day, you know, so... But that showed John a sign that, you know, these lads are up to it, you know, and that, that's kind of for us to see John coming to us after that happening two years previously, kind of laid out, you know, this guy must think we're good enough. You know, this, this guy must think that we have something to offer. Um, what changed? I mean, I suppose not a lot, really, and and, and, and then the last, Bill, Bill Cogan came along as a psychology coach, as was the first time ever we'd seen anything like that, you know, and for us young fellas, it was, it was, it was manna from heaven because we lapped it up, you know, it was brilliant, you know, a guy telling you how good you could be and, you know, trying to tease that out of you. For some of the older guys, maybe it was a bit more difficult to become accustomed to it, but for us it was great because it was all about self-belief. And um, I think Bill was a, was a big factor in this one thing that Jono did. I suppose he brought in good people around the place and Bill was one of those guys and he gave us a self-belief that we probably, maybe, so much he didn't, he didn't, he didn't have. We were competing in, in Connacht at under 21 level, which, which meant we were there, thereabouts. And we were beating the Connacht final by four points by that Galway team that we eventually, you know, went on to win all Ireland's in the late 90s and we were handling in the mid 90s, you know, so we were beating by four points, 9-5 in, in, in Salt Hill and I remember, you know, been gutted that day after beating Sligo heavily in Mayo in the semi-final and, but that team was coming and the following year they progressed on, they won it and, you know, it, it showed momentum, it showed two teams back to back, kind of what you need, like we had a volume of players coming through two teams, maybe, maybe mid eight or ten players of quality, of decent quality and I think John just saw that and he came in and he he just drove it on and he and he, and he integrated the senior players. I always remember Mickey Quinn, you know, at the time Mickey Quinn to us was 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 an absolute rock. You know, he was a, he was an older player, he was thirty four, like he's ten years older than us and you know, Mickey was such a you know, such an example to us, you know what I mean, in the sense that he his drive and his determination personally along with his club how willing his drive and determination at the time were really a driving factor for us. Like I was coming in Manor Hamilton we were a struggling intermediate team trying to progress. You know, we progressed through the 90s all right, but it was the start of our progression. But for me to look up Mickey Quinn and these lads was kind of, you know, they were, they were the goal setters and they were the, you know, the standard setters. And, you know, Mickey Quinn was fantastic in that regard. You know, to us as young fellas, he brought us in under his wing and we didn't feel anyways alienated by it. And that was all important. I think Jono had a role to play in that as well in the sense that he got all that stuff working. You know, he got lads of the older generation mixing with the younger generation and that all gelled really well for us. Is that something that's been missing from Leitrim teams over the year? That kind of almost that expectation that we're going out to get beaten. So why bother? Well, I felt with our particular team, we did get on a roll and we did do well. But in some of the say the clutch moments of games, say the last five ten minutes, we did lose our nerve a few times in that year, definitely. And you know, I suppose you know, maybe come down to psychology. We didn't believe in ourselves. The lad got nervous when we saw the winning line. I mean, you could have a thousand reasons, but. For, you know, in many occasions, we were in a winning position and we didn't do it. In terms of the progress of that team over the next four years, obviously the All-Ireland B Championship in 1990, the Under-21 Championship mm. in 91, a captain, of course, by Declan. Yes. And then fed into that kind of growing level of success within the county and that belief that something was on the fringe here. And you ran, I think, with Scammon close a couple of years. We did, yeah. Prior to 94. Mm. Like, with Scammon... We bet them in the quarterfinal ninety four, but the previous four years they bet us in the semi final every time, and all fairly close affairs. But as it was going on, you know, you're thinking, are we ever going to do this? Because every time it came down to the crunch, we we just kind of we lost them by two or three points. You know, there was never much in any of the matches, but we were never coming out on the right side of it, which was you know hard to take after 
training like lunatics, like you know. Not only was it Ruscommon Galway Mayo, it was Ruscommon away. Galway had a replay in there. That's right. And then, obviously, neutral venue for the final. Yeah. So only the one game, a draw against Galway, played in Carrick and Shannon, which is normally where Leitrim get their best results. Yeah. So it was really up against you. Yeah. What was the mood going into the Ruscommon game? But the Scotland game, it wasn't bad because in that year we'd actually managed to relegate for Scotland in the last game of uh, the league. And we were kind of confident going into the game, let's be fair. And we got off to a flyer in the match. And, you know, we played really well in the first half. I don't know, we were up by five or six points. But then in the second half, the tables turned and they started to reel us in. And, of course, we lost momentum and suddenly we were on the back foot. And, you know... It looked like we were going to lose the game, and the last minute it was level, and Darcy stood up, and we got a 50, and he planted more or less the last kick of the game, which put us through. Like, But we were on the back foot for a lot of the second half, yeah. We move on to the semi-final, Galway at home in Carrick. Yeah. Kind of always in his- history has been a bogey team mm-hmm. for, for Leitrim, never really had a good result, results no. against them on a, on a consistent basis. Leitrim probably the favourites to win the Connacht Championship at this stage, all the same. Yeah. Going to Galway, and the game ends in a draw. What do you remember from that match? I remember not, both teams, neither played really well. I mean, Gala kicked a lot of wides. We kicked a lot of wides. And we were, this, you know, these are the, it's the one moment that I look back on. I said, we could have, the whole thing could have been blown here. Like, even though we're, I think we we're slightly better than on, on the day. And we had bet them in 93, like, by last minute point. And we we're slightly better than them on the day. With the last, going into the dying minutes of the game, I remember a ball was kicked in and Conor McGorn, because I played with him in college, ran out to the wing and he just turned and kicked it on the turn without barely looking at the post and split the post, put them a point up with literally 30, 40 seconds left in the match. And I said, Gee, it's gone. The ball is kicked out. And I think eventually, because a friend of mine, Willie, who was playing, he got the ball and he hit a desperate pass into the forward line. He had missed this himself. It was in towards Porrick McLaughlin, who was a sub, but he put it the wrong side of him. His man won it, uh, but McLaughlin managed to force him into overcarrying. And free in from about 40 yards out, Declan stands up again, plants it, and we escaped. I mean, 94 could have been gone in that 30 seconds. I mean, I suppose every winning team has a bit of luck. That was our bit of luck. Declan put it between the posts, and uh, we survived to play them in tune. Obviously, Declan, a huge figure within that squad, mm. having captain the under-21 victory and had come in. How big of a role was, was having players who weren't native to the county but identified with the county, the likes of Jason Ward and Declan Darcy and that squad? Yeah, it's funny. It was only afterwards when we started doing well, people started saying Declan wasn't native to the county. I mean, to me, I played with him kind of from minor up and, uh, you know, all the league games and all the under-21s. And to me, he was native until people started pointing out later. He's actually, you know, coming down from Dublin and all this kind of stuff. I knew he was, but to me, he was always part of the, you know, the Leitrim team. I'd never saw him as otherwise. Jason did come in, to be fair, like, straight into the senior team. And he was a massive athlete and he was a massive boost to us. Like, and, you know, he went on to play with Dublin and I think he won a Leinster club with uh, Declan later with St. Bridges. You know, he was a fantastic asset. Obviously, you were one of the free takers on the team. He seemed to share those duties. You probably took the lion's share of them, but Paul Kieran popped up with a few, Declan Darcy with some of the longer range stuff. Did that bring its own pressure? It did. Would you be honest? Like, you talk to any place kicker in, 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 in any game, you know, be it rugby, Gaelic football, hurling, it just made a difference. It's just, you, either, you either can do it or you can't do it. And my, my sense of it always was, if you put the work into it, you'll be able to do it at the level required. You know what I mean? We didn't talk about percentage as much. You know, we, we really, 
And there at the pitch, generally a call from Jono on the line. You know, we'd all, we'd all shape up to take them. I, I wasn't a believer in right and left for the kickers. I never believed in that. I still don't believe in that. If you can kick freeze, you can kick them from anywhere. That would be my opinion. You know, we had Paul, who was excellent. We had Barney Breen, who was excellent. You know, we had Declan Darcy, who was excellent. We had excellent free takers, you know. But we worked very hard at it. Like, we all, we, we spent a lot of time on our own. We spent a lot of time in group sessions doing free taking after sessions and stuff like that. So the standard of free taking was excellent in, in, in that group particularly. So we had a huge level you know, of competence in that area. You know, I suppose I was lucky enough to be the right footer free taker for anything kind of from 40 yards in or 50, 40 metres in. And then on a given day, it could tail out to 50, depending on where Declan was, what kind of game it was, the elements and all that kind of stuff. You know, that, that day in our scam, I suppose, myself and Declan kicked two big frees in the second half. I got one from out in the sideline, you know, and Declan got one from the centre 40 metres out, 45 metres out. You know, they're big frees, but that's the kind of me mentality we had is that, you know, Look, sure, I love kicking free. So at the end of the day, it was, it was part of the deal. You know what I mean? Nick? And the pressure was whatever the pressure was. You know what I mean? You're, you know, if you missed one, you missed one, but you didn't intend to miss them because you had the work done on the practice fields and your kind of expectancy was very high on you. <coughs> I was going to ask you that because nowadays we hear about David Beckham spending hours extra on the training field or, or who, whatever sportsman just practice, practice, practice. How much extra did you do specifically on kicking freeze? I'd say I kick freeze. I'd say. I maybe I had the ball in my hand every every day of the week. To be honest, you know, I, I my, my wife Denise would laugh, but that was her 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 introduction to me in the early nineties. You know, we met in in college in Sligo, and um, she spent a lot of evenings out in Manor Hamilton and they'd be in the V Park kicking balls back to me. And, you know, and that was that was a reality. It was a way of life for us. You know what I mean? It was just something that we did. You know, there was always a ball in the, a ball, two balls in the car or whatever, and no matter where you were. I remember going up to Kilchamal, up to where her mother was from, and doing the same thing. And you know, opening four roads in Roscommon, and doing the same thing up in the hurling pitch. You know, this was this was just part of the deal. But you know, I remember the time we was having Jerry Duggan. You know, we we met there recently again. Like we'd have been good friends over the years, played in college together. But all the all the guys were doing that at that time. It it, it wasn't unusual, you know, for 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 a guy who was doing that at that level. And I see nowadays, you know, I'm not so sure it happens as much in some counties. I I, I don't know to be honest, but I'm not so sure it happens as much. You know. But we had a huge responsibility on us, you know, as free takers. And that time, so as free taking was still off the ground. It was a different kind of an art. And I know nowadays you have exceptional free takers, you know, the, the, the Dean Rocks and the Conor McManuses. They're all over the country, super, super free takers. But that time it was, it was an art off the ground. And, you, you know, you had to be able to, you know, that changed over in the 90s. And, you know, my kids do laugh because they never, they never saw freeze off the ground as a kind of a, you know, having to be freeze off the ground. But to me, it's something that the game really... You know, there should be maybe extra for it because it's 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 it's, it's a skill that's kind of going out of the game. You know, if if you can land freeze from 50, 60 meters out over the bar, look at Michael Murphy the weekend. Like, sure, it's 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 still a huge art in the game. You know, for my view, it's great. She loved it. Why wouldn't you? You know, at the time, it was such a privilege to play county football and to be to be in Leitrim in a time when things were going really well and you know all the young kids in Manorhampton looking up to you and stuff and to be in the B Park and freeze. Sure, you know, sure, it, it was great. It's a great sense of all the time, which was something going on, and the time too. Reckon, I suppose, the league was before Christmas as well, which I really, really think. I think it's 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 a it's a missed trick from the GA. You know, I I don't see the value in, in the league being compressed into five months after Christmas or four months after Christmas because this is so the same trend is going on on on, on anyways. People are getting hoodwinked by this. You know, the fellas are getting rest. Fellas are getting no rest. Fellas are training harder now. You know, in October, November, when we trained, we did train hard, but we played matches and we had three matches and. You know, I think the GA could do a review and all that kind of stuff, you know, because at the time we're playing all year round, and sure, you're still playing all year round. You know what I mean? There's no such thing as getting a break at that level. You might get a break if you're doing okay and things are going well, but if, you know, I'm sure Terry Highland's looking at his boys this year and going, there'll be no break. You know, once Club Champions over and Eastern's are back at us because there's a huge challenge ahead of the next year in Division 3. And I think that's kind of, there's kind of a myth out there that players need a break. Like, players don't get a break, anyways. You know what I mean? So if you, and if you're that level of player, 
you know, what break do you what break really do you want? Like the replay in tune. Talk us through that day. We weren't the favourites going into that one because we had our suppose people felt you had your chance in Carrick. You've already beaten them the year before. You know you've exposed yourself. You're out of the long grass, but um, it went down to the wire again, and uh, we ended up winning that one by a point. And they had a couple of chances in injury time to hit an equaliser, but you know due to good defence we held them out, and uh, it was a battling performance. And we only got going in the last twenty minutes, and it just got us over the line. I suppose, yeah. I suppose I was a young lad in 1994 and to me getting to a Connacht final seemed like gosh we could do that every other year yeah. there's only five teams in Connacht yeah. or seven teams in Connacht mm. whatever it was at the time and you kind of had this belief that gosh we'll be back again we've only been there once since in the 25 yeah, years yeah. how much did it mean taking to the field for a Connacht final? Well I was aware of the significance that we hadn't uh, won it in so long and that but we were a hardened team like at that stage um, in many ways I mean I remember in 1990 running out against Roscommon and I had been playing for two years that stage but it was the first time we played in front of a big crowd and I remember walking around in the parade and whenever you broke to run into their positions I could hardly run my legs were like jelly like you know but by the time four or five years later come on we were kind of a bit more hardened at that stage and I, you know I realised there was a crowd there and I realised all the razzmatazz and the build up but I knew myself it was possibly one window of opportunity that was opening for us and you know, it wasn't about the occasion as such. It was about winning a Connacht title. Like, and I knew that, even though, you know, I suppose we're all only 23, 24, but we'd seen what had happened before, like, you know. So that's what it was feeling like 30 seconds before the throw-in. Mm. How were the thoughts 30 seconds after the throw-in? When the ball comes in, Seamus and Martin get confused, clash into each other, and the ball ends up in the back of the Leitrim net after. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I, I, I remember that clearly, but it didn't... It happened so early in the game. It wasn't... That happened halfway through the second half. We're going, good God, you know, at a crucial stage. But it happened so early in the game, like, it wasn't, obviously, it, as it turned out, it wasn't the win in the game for me. But we had loads of time to recover from it. And uh, it didn't affect me, I remember that, psychologically at all, I think. And it's, it's a bit early on here. It's nothing to get panicked about. Like, you know. I suppose in terms of consolation, Mayo didn't score for the rest of the half. No, we um, weren't to know that. <laughs> <laughs> they could have got five more goals, but, yeah. Everything they hit posts, they hit everything. Uh, mainly due to good defence, but uh, you know the la- they didn't score in that half again. Yeah, I suppose the likes of Joey Flanagan and Joe Honeyman and Seamus Quinnell will do that to forwards, even That's Mayo just forwards. It. That's just it. But Mayo probably had, you know, at the time possibly an easier run in. They were winning by larger margins while we were kind of scraping through games and really tough battles. And we came in probably a bit more prepared that way than them. You know, in terms of. The success and final whistle goes. What's going through your mind? Well, I remember the final. I was just so relieved just to win. That was the main thing. I mean, there was euphoria, you know, but the main thing was relief because we had literally, you know, abandoned everything to win a Connacht title for the last, you know, four years. Like that's all we we were consumed with it. And every time we lost to Roscommon, you you know, you went to the depths of despair. And even though you're young, you're thinking, I've only a short window of opportunity here to win a Connacht title, and we're there or thereabouts, but you could go through your career always being there or thereabouts or not getting over the line. So it was just a massive relief when you know we got over it. Like, and we were very nervy like in the last 10 minutes of that game. Um, you know, We were way better than Mayo, but we kind of just got nervy towards the end, and uh, it turned into a tight battle. Like, you know? In terms of the All-Ireland semi-final that came after that mm. against Dublin, huge day out for for the entire county not it was yeah. more it was about more than just the football really on the day i think 
were you aware of, of how important that was for for the population of the county or was it just another football match no um i was more than aware of it like we're now kind of down to the last it turned out we we're down to the last three because the previous week cork and down had played and down had won that so down were in the final it was down to dublin leitrimer like it was amazing that we we're in the last three for the all-ireland race and like it was absolutely you know so important was that we represented the county well and we knew how important it was to the county and for generations of supporters that had been seeing the bad times just, you know, to give them a, a good year meant a lot to us. Like, you know. It wasn't to be that day and we won't really no. dwell on that. That's okay. <laughs> it's past. Uh, the pain is past. I can talk about it, Brefney. <laughs> you were still involved in the squad for the 2000 kind of mm. final. Did that have the same kind of feel to it or... Or was it a kind of an year I gone maybe? I think that year actually we bet was common in the semis and it was a great feeling because we were losing by a large margin. They scored three time. goals in the yeah, first seven minutes. Scored, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean it was unreal how it turned around and like the euphoria when it went, the game was over. But like Galway were a, a different, you know, animal altogether. They were all Ireland contenders and it was always going to be a very difficult game to win. And to be fair, we did compete, but we were, you know, seven, eight points off them in the end. But, I mean, they had Joyce and Donlan and, I mean, I don't, they didn't win it that year, but they won it the, the next year. They lost the final in a replay that year. They were a, a great outfit, like, but, you know, we uh, never looked like winning the game, no. One of the things that you're probably best known for in the last couple of years in the GA world is a little book that you produced. It wasn't that little, it was huge, uh, called The Scrapbook of Regrets. Yes. Do you have any regrets about your time with Leitrim? Any maybe games that should have gone your way that didn't? I mean, 95, we, you know, um, the luck that went with us in 94 against Galway went against us. We were leading with two points up with just a couple of minutes to go and Galway kicked three points in the trot and ended up beating Mayo convincingly in a final. But... You know, I always look back to that Pori McLaughlin moment and I say, you know, swings and roundabouts and was lucky to get one, let's be fair. So, yes, there's regrets, there's bad performances, you know, and, but, you know, you got to weigh it up and say, you know, a bit of luck went with that year and we lost out other years. So, I'll, you know, you have to take what comes your way, I suppose. In terms of the legacy of 94, obviously a minor championship came to the county in 98. How much do you think the impact of maybe... 13, 14 year olds watching your success led to the belief that brought that success four years later? Oh, I think so too. I mean, my father got wrestling and was involved with the minors with Patsy Pryor that year. You know, they, 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 they had a fantastic run and, you know, the big Sligo in the kind of final, which, which, which for, which for the, the local rivalry thing was, it was a great, it was a very strong Sligo minor team that year with a lot of really good footballers, you know, um, who I'm still with in St. Mary's, some of them in, in, in Sligo. But I think, yeah, like, that's kind of, this year we'll do an awful lot for that in Leitrim, I, I, I hope what we did in the 90s, you know, where there's a lot of kids wanting to wear the, you know, the green and gold and wanting to go and play for their county because that's really what it's all about, it, you know, in my opinion. You know, it's very easy for people to kind of, um, to look for, for a while, but sure, look at Dublin, like, sure, they're all heroes. These guys are all heroes. You know, every kid wants to be Johnny Cooper. Every kid wants to be Dean Rock. That's, that's the way it is. Um, down here in Leitrim, maybe that's something that we've missed over the last number of years. You know, the profile and what you're doing here, you know, it, it's all about profile. It's, it's all about giving these lads the profile that they deserve. They, they worked just as hard as we worked. Just things didn't work out the same way. You know, um, so there's no point in saying that teams have been worse or anything else. Just, just things haven't happened. 
you know, maybe we didn't have enough of the volume of players or whatever over the last 15, 20 years. But the reality is it has to be a high profile in the county. And maybe that's something that you maybe you look at from the media point of view. Dublin have such media coverage all the time. You know, we need to need more media coverage. Like these lads need to be up on a pedestal, you know, because they are. You know, at the end of the day, to say Leitrim footballers are not as good, of course they are. You know what I mean? They always were and they always will be. But the reality is they need profile. What would you change if, if you had an influence at the moment in Leitrim football? What do you feel Leitrim football, the county board, should be focusing on into the future? Well, I suppose myself and Joe Honeyman have been very close. You know, well, most of us have been very close over the years. But Joe, Joe particularly, is involved the minors this year. You know, and I suppose you look at minor football in Sligo and, you know, and it, it, it hasn't come through, come through the senior fruition yet, but like putting work into the underage structures and making Leitrim competitive at underage, you know, like, and, and the Lions won a Connor minor league back in 2014 with Leitrim, and they've, they've had a poor time since at minor level, you know, and I know there's issues going on around it and, you know, all the kind of numbers and volumes and, and finances and all that kind of stuff, but I think it's very important that that underage stuff, because that's, things don't really start to separate until you're after your underage. You know, most underage teams can compete because they don't have any fear. You know, they don't have any fear of what's out there. You know, they know each other as friends and peers in school and college and stuff. And there's no fear. You know, so minor under 21 should really be competitive. You know, it should be at a level where the teams are very closely matched because the physical condition of the players is generally the same. You know, most counties are looking under constraint condition now from 14, 15 on. You know, they're looked after really well in that regard. You know, and imagine each of them doing the same thing, you know. Um, I, I know from my time with, with Sligo lads over the five years, like we put a huge amount of time in. It's just time, you know, putting huge time and huge effort into, into, into the lads. Like we saw them once a week for several months of the year. You know, you don't even be afraid to say it, you know, in case you're hauled in over the coals. But, you know, the reality was we spent a lot of time with them. You know, we put a lot of time into it and, and, and you know, they got a lot of attention and they bought into that and their families bought into it. And all of a sudden you had a group of players who, who really bought into a, into a mission and a, and a journey and, you know, we, we got a long way down the road on that journey, you know. So you kind of, Leitrim needs to do the same thing, in my opinion, as regards, you know, getting volume and time into the players, giving them every opportunity. Because, as I, I've repeated this, this, this in the last 25 years, so many times, my father always said, what's the difference in Latin and Kerry and Leitrim? There's none, really. You know, just give them the time. Give them the time. The last time I bumped into you was on the sideline of a Sligo Rovers under 13 match. Your own son, Eli, has decided he's going to try his hand at soccer. How do you feel about that? Well, he's actually playing both. You'd have to ask like Rovers how they feel about that, I suppose, Brefney. Um He played for us in the Fela two weeks ago. He played for, uh, actually, he played for his club last weekend um, in under-14 championship. And at half-time, he went down the road and he trained for his like Rovers for half an hour. And on Sunday, he played against Dundalk in, in the showgrounds. But Eli's having a great time. He's playing both. And he's a, he's a happy child. And at the end of the day, in my experience of footballers, if they're happy, they'll play well. I've never seen an unhappy player do anything for you. Today is the 24th of July and it's 25 years since your historic achievement in Hyde Park. It's also the 24th of July, 2019 today, and your nephew is in action this That's afternoon right, yeah. against <laughs> Portugal yes. for the Irish on the 19th yes. side in the European Championship semi-final. Are you disappointed now that he's t- almost taken your, uh, the gloss off you on the European <laughs> you know, scale? Uh, it's fantastic what he's done, like to get down into the, the Irish squad. And what the Irish squad have done is incredible. To be in the last four in Europe, I think, did it start with 54 teams? Now they're down to the last four and they're... You know, it's an incredible achievement. I'd love, it'd be fantastic now if they got into the final, you know. For those of you that haven't been listening to the show in the last couple of weeks, we are, of course, talking about Niall Moore, who is your, <laughs> yes. your sister's sister's son. So yes. it, it's it's a phenomenal achievement, but I just felt there was a nice symmetry to it yeah. from a family point yeah. of view. He's a very dedicated lad, and he deserves everything he comes his way. He's extremely committed, you know, and it's a tough game, and he's doing really well in it. Like, yeah. What is your, your happiest memory of 1994? Strange. 
I, I, I have, there's loads of happy memories of that 93, 94 era where the progression. I remember, I remember Francis Rooney and Tony McGowan crying and chewing in 93 when we beat Galway. And it kind of brings home to you, as us as young players, it didn't knock a bat out of us in a sense because we were young and we expected to win. You know, we didn't have any hang-ups about Galway or anybody else because we'd run them close in under 21 a couple of years previous. We knew we were in the mix. We beat them in, in, 19, in 93. To see, the, to see the, the emotion on those two men's faces, for me in particular, they're the only two men that kind of that stuck in my head. Obviously, Tony had been, you know, with me since I was maybe 15 or 16 you know, um, super guy and my father, obviously, you know, but to see their emotion after that game that day and then that carried into 94, like, the actually raw emotion of what it meant to people and what it actually meant, you know. That's one thing I suppose I looked at it very deeply afterwards, you know, I had an experience afterwards with a man whose mother had died between the Connacht final and the All-Ireland semi-final and I met him um, in Drumcairn one evening coming home from training one night and he said to me, um, you know, my mother died a happy woman. And I was 25, and it was like a knife through butter. It cut right through me because it actually brought it home to me, actually, what it meant to people. You know, at that time, you talk about the GA and the passion and what it means to communities and people. That really brought it home to me. Like, this man's mother died a, week, you know, a, couple, of, a couple of weeks previously, and she died a happy woman because we won a kind of championship. You know, you kind of, it brought it home in a real sense, actually, the effect you could have on people's lives. And as me as a coach, is one thing that I use with all the teams I'm with. You know, like, footballers have huge power. You know, the huge power, especially in times where you know where people are struggling to make ends meet, and you know, and life is tough, and life's tougher as all. But that's one thing I saw about it. There's the, the the raw emotion of the whole, of everything got to do with it. And, and just a couple of weeks ago in in Pure Stadium brought all that back again. You know, just it reignited all that stuff again. It's all sitting there simmering away, but just something that ignites it again. When you see the passion in the group, you know, the passion and the passion within the group itself. And the offshoot of it, like you know, it's not lovely going to Carrigan Shannon here now, and I love going to Carrigan Shannon and meeting people, you know, who are still looking at you and talking to you as if it was yesterday you were playing, and that's lovely. It's just a great sense of, but what it means to people to me is just fantastic. And Leitrim is, Leitrim has that kind of unity. It's one thing I say about it. Actually, other counties don't have it, but I'm just saying it's Leitrim has it's a special connection, you know, where the it's such a small like we're a club, like Leitrim's always been a club. You know where you're just privileged to wear the county jersey, but the passion involved, like it really is passion. Like it's tangible. You can touch it. You can feel it. And to me, you know, people talk about county finals here. I know Manor Hamilton. We lost two of them here, but to see three and four thousand people at county finals here, like and the and the and the actual the togetherness, first of all, and, uh, of the so supporters and you know the, the 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 whole thing is just I just Leitrim should be better than we are. We should be higher up. And you know you'd only hope that the county gets what it gets gets what it needs. You know. I want you what it deserves, but what it needs, and you know, Terry hopefully next year can drive it on another notch and keep us in Division Three and push on and be competitive with the Wisconsin. Like, it's all about passion for me. You know, the, the, what it brings to bring us to you because life moves on. You know, we've all had hard knocks in life. People, every, everyone has hard knocks, and it kind of brings it home to you. What's important, and for me, the GA is really important. Aidan, thank you very much. You're welcome, No problem. Listen, Park, thanks very much for t- taking the time. No problem, Breffney. You're welcome. And that was a little walk down memory lane. It's 25 years. It seems like only yesterday. And hopefully with the bright lights that are shining at the moment in Leitrim GA and the promotion from Division 4, maybe this could be the start of another push towards another Connacht Championship. We can but hope over the next couple of years. I'll be back tomorrow with a look at what's happening around the county in a current affair. And my guests will be Councillors Paddy O'Rourke from Carrie Gallen and Councillor Brendan Barry from Drumshambo. Talk to you then.